Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Haunted Heavy Podcast. I'm Ryan Felace. I'm here with Aaron Sheroff. And uh, you might remember me. I, I did a podcast uh, out of Seattle called the Spin Drive Podcast, and it was the hardest to find podcast on the internet. And uh, I've been away for a little while, but I uh, just moved back to Seattle, so we want to get this uh, kicking. So, uh, Aaron, how are you? Doing all right. I've never heard of your other podcast until no. just now. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's... It's it's all right. I don't know. Uh, Can you still find it online? Anywhere? It's still online. Yeah, it's still up. It's uh, I mean, we maybe had like a dozen regular listeners, you know. Hmm. Anyway, so yeah, so we are haunted heavy industries, or two thirds of it anyway, and we we're working on a game, and we we're like, let's do a podcast too. And we have some other stuff that we do, so like, let's we can just talk about it. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say thanks for having me, but we're recording in my house. So. Right. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So if anybody is finding this podcast is probably doing so through the game we're working on, uh, Missile City Arrow League. So hopefully uh, we're going to have a trailer for that out pretty soon, like an announced thing. Yeah. I wonder if this will, are you planning on having this go out before or after this the will probably, trailer? This will probably go out before. I feel like we'll probably have a few of these out before anybody even finds them. So man. it'll be a nice, it'll be a nice back catalog for anybody who finds out anything, you know, by the time they, they realize that this exists, we'll be three or four episodes deep and they'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're probably going to be hearing this from the future. And then everything that we talk about is already going to be superseded by real life events that have already happened. Right. So we should make some predictions. Yeah. Right. Um, Colleen's going to be great. <laughs> and the next character announced is obviously. I really want it to be uh, Rashid's butler. I feel or, like that's that's I feel like Karen's butler. <laughs> we we got to have right. one of the butlers, right? Because they're already modeled. Yeah, we have a secretary. Now we yeah. need a butler. And next we'll have a cook. I think season two is going to be all like the help. <laughs> right, all yeah. the behind the scenes characters that made yeah. all the other street fighters great i am a little i i'm a little worried that like the background characters like is the theme for the whole season too like i feel like they like the whatever rashid's uh well uh is it a, is it a whatever butler? he is a genie? I, like a personal assistant personal genie like, yeah i mean haven't you you've gone through the uh, cinematic story mode right yeah i don't really remember that Me much either. of it except for people <laughs> kept saying peace in a weird way like, give what? me the piece. I don't recall that at all. <laughs> <laughs> There's these MacGuffins, these little like chess piece things that like all these oh. characters randomly have. And they, they're referred to as pieces. But people say the word piece as if everyone else knows that piece refers <laughs> yeah. to like a Resident Evil puzzle uh, solution. I thought it was a handgun. Exactly. That's what it sounds like when they say it like that. So I don't know why they said it like that. Like, I'm worried that, oh God, what's like uh, Necro's girlfriend? From Street Fighter Three. Oh, I don't yeah. remember her Oof. name. I'm not logging onto Wikia for, for right. this episode. But she's in the background of a Street Fighter Five stage, I think. Is she really? I think she is. I, I want to say the, she's... is she on the Halloween version of the of uh... the Russian stage? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Cool. So well, that'll be something to look forward to. <laughs> That's like in Street Fighter Four. It was Hugo was in the background of the Super Street Fighter Four uh, construction stage. Yeah, that's true. And eventually he made it into Ultra, right? And they replaced him with some other big dude. Yeah. So, I wonder if that other big dude is going to be in Street Fighter V. Just keep upping the ante with background characters. Right, right. All the Final Fight bosses that hadn't quite made... I want to say there was that Capcom fighting jam or whatever it was that had Damned. Do you remember him? The Oh, um, Damn from... Apostrophe D. D-A-M-N apostrophe D, right? Yeah. Yeah, what would... Which one was he from? He, he was, was in, he from he was DX? In, he was in, uh, no, he's in Final Fight. He's a... Oh, he's like, right, right, right. There's like uh, Hagar and uh, Hugo and, you know. And he was... I want to say he was one of the playable characters in that game. And it was a game that had like Ingrid in it, but it was canceled, so they never released it. But 
so let's i guess we'll keep our fingers crossed for damn uh apostrophe d yeah so i'm keeping my fingers crossed for damned secretary assistant butler who else we got that's a background character um uh, oro's turtle oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> or one of oro's rocks right <laughs> sure one of the tengu stone yeah yeah sure i want to see like an actual tengu in in street fighter 5 right that'd be great perfect uh buki's got a raccoon or something oh yeah why can't we get a why this can't we get like a raccoon in, character it's gonna turn into jojo's just overnight it's gonna be pet shop <laughs> style characters oh man if only i want to get that bear from the background of the uh, <laughs> underground arena that bear i think could be a great addition to the cast sure i mean we saw akuma in cross tekken oh right right so that huge hit right <laughs> isn't, isn't <laughs> huge, it? huge breakout role for kuma <laughs> so um oh our game yeah so hopefully, I don't know, I kind of want, we've, we've been working on this for a long, long time, but it's kind of just been in our free time, you know, a little bit. It's, it's, and it's, uh, if anybody hasn't seen it, it's basically, we took Windjammers and like, it was basically a Windjammers clone kind of a thing. And it's kind of funny because I feel like in the time that we've been working on it, there's, there's been like five other Windjammers clones that have come up <laughs> every single time. Every single time it happens, Strike like while the iron's hot, right? Yeah, and it, every single time that happens, like everyone I know like starts sending me links to it, and they'd be like, "What do you think? What do you think?" And like, I don't know, man. Don't show me this shit. It just makes me feel <laughs> sick. Yeah, well, um, it'll be the icing on that cake is going to be the actual Windjammers port that's coming out, right? So, and now Dot Emu is doing that. Uh, there was a huge write up someone did on Dot Emu and why they all their Neo Geo ports are terrible. Uh, there's a website called Gaming Moe that covered this. Moe, yeah, for real. <laughs> and uh, it's very tongue in cheek. It's a good site though. Uh, it's something they do called Waifu Awards for the year and for 2016. It was like their biggest disappointment or something was uh, like the HD Windjammer is finally coming, but it turns out it was Dotemu. Oh, yeah. Well, so, I, I haven't played we'll any of the other, other ports. What else do they do? Uh, what was the one that was like the huge... There's one that's like the quintessential example of why it's, it was... That, why they suck. Shock Troopers. Shock Troopers. Yeah. And uh, my personal, close personal hero, Lord BBH, who you can watch do main roulettes on twitch.tv slash BB, Lord BBH, L O R D B B H, <laughs> big booty hose for life. And um, he did a great, he has a, a Steam review. I think it's his only Steam review he's ever written, but he's like a super like hardcore arcade game freak. And uh, he does, he did a huge, uh, fantastic write up on Shock Troopers, uh, the port that they did, because it's like his favorite game of all time or something. So like he knows the ins and outs and does the one credit clears and speed runs and everything. He knows like the, he knows as much of that game as anybody could ever huh. know about it. And he did this huge write up about how disappointing the .emu uh, ports were. So I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't get into details for you, but that's yeah, well, I mean, for the purposes of playing Windjammers, I kind of hope the. I kind of hope that it's going to be a good port, just because I like when people put out good products. Yeah, well, that's the thing about Windjammers is that there's no, there was no, um, uh, there's no way to play it like legit. I mean, everyone's going to use emulators, right? And you just play it on Fightcade. But as far as like a legit way to buy it and play it, like there's no way to do it that doesn't cost hundreds of hundreds of dollars. Either you got uh, played on an actual M Neo Geo MVS. Or AES, and those are both going to be hundreds of dollars for the hardware. Not before you even buy the game. Yeah. And I'm sure the I'm sure the AES copy of the game is close to a thousand dollars or something stupid now because all those games are ridiculously. Yeah. Well, well, when we were looking that up a couple of weeks ago, when we were looking up uh, expensive Neo Geo carts. Yeah. What was the one that was? There was one that was really expensive. Like, didn't something sell for 
like a twenty thousand dollars. Oh, I'm sure. It, yeah. I'm sure there's something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Some by the time this episode goes out, it'll probably you know, inflation nope. will be to the point where uh, hamburger costs twelve dollars. And... <laughs> right. Well, that's, I bought Neo Geo cards cost uh, seven thousand dollars a piece all the time. I I bought um, wind jammers in like two thousand and ten or two thousand eleven off of eBay, the MVS cart for like 30 bucks and even then i was was like yeah that sounds about right and i think it's like 300 now Jeez. so i mean arcade stuff in general is is kind of blown up i feel like if you're not or if you haven't gotten the games you want to buy now well you have a cabinet right yeah well um is that is that a a certain is there like a certain thing in there or is it kind of like uh you that's the the one i got right now in in the apartment is a dedicated pengo so that's all original that's not uh i don't think i've ever played pengo no, it's like, uh, it's from the, it came out the same year as like Miss Pac-Man, I think. So like, it's huh. that era of game and it's got the maze kind of a, there was a genre called maze. Maze <laughs> genre? In, 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 the, in the early 80s because of Pac-Man, just influenced everything, everything had to be a maze. I'm surprised that the, the genre is not, not just called Pac-Man. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's it's like Doom clones and now first oh, person yeah. shooters. So um, <clears throat> with this show, I mean, so I'm doing all the art, animation, and a lot of design stuff for the game. You were doing sound design and composing uh, all the music. Uh, we also have our buddy Chris, who's doing all the programming, and we'll probably have him on the show, too. Um, we're going to... If you guys ever want to uh, send us any questions or anything like that, too, we want to be able to field anything like that for you guys, too, at hauntedheavy at gmail.com. Go ahead and send us anything you want to talk to us about or anything that you'd like us to talk about. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, talking about anything. Sure, yeah. We'll go way off the rails for you. On the rails or just on the trails? What? I was going for a parappa because you have rails. a parappa hat. Yeah, I have a parappa hat. On the hat rails on, right? or just on the trails. Is that a song from parappa? Yeah, it's parappa two. Oh. You ever play parappa two? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the it's a skate park one where uh, with with the 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 it's 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 she's a moose right? She's supposed to be like the cousin or the sister of the of the uh, driving instructor from the first game. Oh yeah, right? Yeah. Um, because oh, yeah, never... the song mentions like my sister, she she mentions her sister because they're both moose. Oh, I never, you know, I played that game like twelve times. Okay. And I never realized it. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Sorry, I I, 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 I don't remember that. I don't remember that song as well. Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> <laughs> I wish uh, I don't remember that song as well. I remember the the weird uh, Chop Chop Master Onion has his own like adults only romantic tv show about yeah, yeah. about beating up your spouse beating up your your lover yeah <laughs> right or something. Oh, that's uh that's good stuff that that hasn't aged poorly at all no <laughs> um did, have you tried the did you try the demo for parappa the new hd version of it that came out in ps4 i did and it made me realize that a lot of people are going to learn about input lag yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i remember i i played that i was like oh shit it's parappa mm-hmm. and then i and then i played it and i was like Wow, music games have gotten a lot better. Yeah, yeah. It is very, very, like, bare bones. Like, it feels super rudimentary. Right. Like, I, lo- I love the music and I love the art, but it's it's a game that you can just watch. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I need to play it. No. Like, I like to listen to the soundtrack. Sure. But playing it doesn't really give me... Like, I never figured out how to do the... To do the, uh, the... You rapping cool? Yeah, I never could rap cool. All I could do is <laughs> me rapping awful. I can't believe, like, to this day, I feel like there's not even, like, a game facts about how to rap cool. 
Like, I don't know if anybody... Yeah, there's, no, there's no governing body about it. <laughs> right. I don't think there's, like... I feel like there's some randomness to it. I don't yeah. know. I have to look into it, but I, I feel like that's the case. I was able to do it a few times. Um, I do know that the the holding up on the D-pad trick still works for this HD... Uh, really? Yeah, so... What's that, what's that trick? Um, it just makes the animations that happen during the, the level happen. There, you, it, like, in the demo, you can play it on the demo, and if you just hold up while you're while you rapping, uh, there's a little ninja guy. There's, like, one of the, there's like a tiny one of the tiny little onions... But he's dressed in like a blue ninja suit will like pop up out of the wall or like pop down from the roof what in like the final stage where you're on the you're on stage you know at the show uh if you hold up like during one of the verses like parappa instead of rapping will just start breakdancing for a full like eight bars <laughs> it's just holding up and i think even the sequels are maybe not two but i think elm jam Lamy has the same thing you just hold up on the d-pad and it just makes alternate animations happen yeah yeah so that, i don't know that's again that's also extremely rudimentary it's not even that yeah you know, i think this watch on youtube i yeah since i never got to the you rap in cool yeah. part of parappa one i don't know how it compares to parappa two i played much more parappa two it's and like i little... think it got i think that the game got a lot better uh-huh. for for the second one uh-huh. because i feel like you could you had more input into what the character does Especially with like the the remix or like when you're remixing or right. when you're uh, improvising, freestyling. What's the yeah yeah, word? yeah yeah freestyling? Yeah. That's how you had to rap cool before. Even in the first game, it was it had nothing to do with your timing of of getting it correct and matching your teacher. You had to make up your own wacky shit. Yeah, and just hope that it the game liked it. I guess yeah, I can never figure out <laughs> how to make it like it. It, it seemed like. You rap and cool was way easier in the second game in the last in the last level when you're uh, when they do the stadium thing again. Uh-huh. Um, and there's that great call and response section. Do you recall this part of the game where Pratt was on the stage saying, "Say oh yeah," and the audience says, "Oh yeah," and then it kind of goes back and forth. But yeah. if you are if you're improvising. They will improvise whatever you improvise. Really? So I don't... they can say, say, oh, yeah, oh, oh, oh. And they'll okay, oh, yeah, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Yeah, it's really good. That's good. Say, what you, what you, huh, what, who? And they'll say, what, what you, huh, what, what, who? <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Yeah. that's. I remember in, in Umjam or Lamy, they had, uh, after, you, after you beat a stage, you get like this extra little tool. You get like a flanger or something you could do to kind of screw with the sound hmm. of of you uh, I never, playing I never got back. to the end of that game. I thought um, Jammer Lamy was the best of the Parappa games. And if you beat it all the way through, you can unlock Parappa to come out and do an alternate version of every song in um, Jammer Lamy that's a rap version. Really? Yeah, it's like a completely different, like, remixed huh. version of every song in the game uh, designed so that Parappa, you know, does the back and forth with the teacher with the lyrics. And it's the same way. It's, it's basically a full-on Parappa sequel, but it's a secret thing that you unlock at the end of the game. Huh. You go on YouTube and you can listen to the entire soundtrack and it's every song has two versions to it that are very different and the, you know the beats are different and the This is the type of thing that we should put in show notes if we have show notes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yep. Cuz some of those are are really good uh songs too. Yeah, I'll, especially I'll the Parappa versions. We'll see if we could find a, a video of some uh bad improv at the end of uh Parappa 2 for that too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, cool. So, are you? We have a Switch launch in a few weeks. Nintendo oh, man. Is Switch. That in a few which? Is that in a few weeks? Switch. Yeah. So by the time this comes out, um, everyone's gonna be playing One Two Switch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be the. Overall, we won't have like uh, regular parties anymore because there's just gonna be One Two Switch. There's gonna be parties. One Two Switch parties. Overwatch will be dead. 
it's going to be gone, right? Yeah. I mean, probably going to Blizzard's going to go under. So go ahead and sell your Blizzard stock right now uh, is my recommendation. Well, when this comes out, it'll already be too late to it sell might, your stock. Yeah, sure. So uh, that's one of my predictions. So okay. Activision stock plummets. Nintendo goes uh, record highs. Is there anything <laughs> Is there anything you're actually excited about for Switch? Um, Did you I, pre-order it? I haven't yet. Okay. I haven't found a way to pre-order it yet. Okay. But, uh, I don't know if there's a way to do that. Now I think that we you missed the window. I yeah, think, right? I, I missed the so the that when the pre-orders went live. Yeah, I wasn't tuned in for that thing. And it was and then, it was a matter of it was a matter of hours, right? Before I think it was like, a matter of like minutes, okay. pretty much. Yep. One of my coworkers said that they were able to just walk in a GameSpot, GameStop, GameStop. Damn it! I always I always mix I them do up. The, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent of the time, I always have them it's wrong. It's not your fault. They do have bad names. Yeah, and also they have the same letters in the name. Do you have any kind of mnemonic for remembering which one is which? Uh, I think just that GameSpot doesn't exist anymore, right? I thought GameStop. Wait, GameStop is a store, right? <laughs> yeah. Because at first I was like, my amazing mnemonic is going to be. I've stopped going to GameStop, <laughs> but then it works for both. Sure. What about Game Stop and Shop? Do you have Stop and Shops? Uh, we did in, in, in the Boston. East, yeah. In the East Coast. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. They don't have them out here. Do you remember the um, the self-checkout at Stop and Shop? <laughs> Not well enough, apparently. Why? Okay. Because self-checkout everywhere yeah. is exactly the same. It always has the same voice, mm-hmm. except for at Stop and Shop. I'm saying this as if it's a present tense, but this was in 2008. Okay. I don't know if self-checkout technology has changed in the last uh, decade, but self-checkout at Stop and Shop has a different voice that's way more excited. Really? Yeah. Uh, everything is uh, it's like really over-announced. <laughs> and so w- when you when you scan a coupon or when stuff's yeah. on sale, it'll be like, two forty nine. Right. Savings. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a lot of enthusiasm. Good. Frankly, it drew me to Stop and Shop. Sure. Finally, someone's excited about their job. Yeah, it's like, here, here, <laughs> here at Stop and Shop. Uh, what the fuck are we talking about? Switch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. One two switch. <laughs> oh, so no, my I actually had coworkers do this exact same thing. They walked into whatever the local retail place in Bellevue was. And uh, was able to pre-order through uh, through. I guess I just didn't try. Top. I guess I didn't uh, try hard enough. I didn't. The, uh, yeah, I didn't try. The story. I, was, I was like, what's the what's the release date? Is that the third? Oh, I forget. I think it, it's either the third or the fourth. Yep. So I have a friend that's coming to town on that day, and I'm working that day. Yeah, it is the third. Yes, it's the third. Shit. So if I want to get it, I basically have to show up on release day, right? Yeah, like line up in the morning or something probably, right? I wonder how well that's going to work out. I don't know. I did that for the Wii. It wasn't on the launch day for the Wii, though. It was like a Black Friday thing when they were all sold out and stores were getting them in. Yeah. There is a a game stop. Yes. (laughs) There's a bunch of... There's a bunch of game stops in Seattle. Yeah. So... Maybe if I find one of the smaller ones on the outskirts to park at and uh Right. Yep. Yeah, I, w- I wonder what's the do they get different amounts of stock? I don't know. Probably. I don't if know. If you work at GameStop and if you love Haunted Heavy Industries <laughs> and it's not the future after Nintendo Switch has come out by the time this episode comes out and you want to help your man Aaron Sheroff get a Nintendo Switch, email us at Haunted Heavy What's the email address? At Gmail. Hauntedheavy at gmail.com. Yeah. So hook us up with a free switch. Thank you very much for these free switch. Hey. Is that actually- I would love I would love for our game to come out on Switch. Sure. I don't know if we can say that, but hey, I think it would be a great console to target, especially one that has where basically every owner of a Switch has 
Two controllers. Two controllers, yeah, yeah. And it's the core is kind of a local multiplayer thing. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it worked great. I'd love to target a console where everybody who owns the console has multiple controllers where one controller is more comfortable to use than the other one. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I it just occurred to me is the the plural for switch. Is will, will it be switch or switch? It'll be swooch. Right? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna write that down switch. so I don't sound like so I don't sound silly when I try to say switches. Switch. Switch. Got it cool i don't really know much about breath of the wild like i know it's the new zelda game and it's like open world and, uh-huh. but every piece of footage i see of it is like a big empty plane with nothing in it and like a lot of people getting really excited yeah <laughs> i mean well i think that people are getting excited about these small details okay such as if you uh put on metal clothing mm-hmm. and if there's a uh, if there's a thunderstorm you can get struck by lightning and die immediately that's pretty cool. Yeah, okay. like, yeah. See, <laughs> okay. I like I like that kind of approach to games where you think about all the really small, minute things. Mm-hmm. Like I was just listening to uh, the Watch Out for Fireballs episode about Symphony of the Night, where this is a retro games podcast where they go back and they play a bunch of old games, mm-hmm. and they they do a re- they do a, a really thorough overview of games, and th- so they talked about like here are all the small details that are in these games that are right. just like a lot of attention to things that nobody should care about. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of approach, you are creating a product that is more than the sum of its parts at some times. Right. There's just like a lot of variables and they can get a lot of emergent stuff that comes out of it. Right. Yeah. Because there, it seems like you could go back and you can discover things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that. I, I just have to look, <laughs> I just have to see more about it. I feel like that about, I guess I haven't been that big of a Zelda fan in the past like decade or so. Uh, I just, I, like- I feel like they're, they're, like that to me is like the epitome of the Nintendo formulaic kind of a criticism that they get sometimes, you know? Oh, well, I started, I just started playing uh, Triforce Heroes. That's the multiplayer 3DS one. Okay. Like I have a couple of friends here and we we get together when we play the, it's local multi three screens. So it's kind of like a follow up to Four Swords Adventures. Sure, yeah, yeah. It got fucking panned. Everybody hates it. Okay. But I've been I've been enjoying it. It's why a lot of fun. Do, why, well, so then why do they hate it? Well, I think there were, uh, for years, people were like, Four Swords Adventures was the shit. Nintendo should make another one of these yep. to satisfy my modern tastes. Mm-hmm. And so Nintendo comes forward and says, hey, we made another Four Swords Adventures. This one, you can play with three people. And then people are like, you can just stop right there. You've already downgraded from four players to three. Okay. I'm out. Um, okay, <laughs> that's all it took. <laughs> yeah. Easy enough. Okay, yikes. But it, it's fun. You go in and uh, it's kind of like a dungeon crawler. Yeah, it's three dimensional. Did you ever play a uh, Link Between Worlds? Yeah. So the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's the same engine. Okay. Oh, that's not. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, so that sounds kind of kind of cool then. If it's yeah, like, like the same I, yeah, I really <laughs> like it. And okay. Link Between Worlds, for my money, is like the best Zelda game that's come out since uh, Wind Waker. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the mobile Zeldas are pretty. Pretty good, by and large. Yeah. Uh, the last one I actually bought was, like, the one that everyone hated, and I can kind of see what it was. Um, the Phantom Hourglass? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I can think I... See, and I didn't... I was, like, maybe two hours, and I was like, eh, I'm good. Yeah, I had a, I had a bad track record with uh, mobile Zeldas for a little while because, like, I didn't always have the equivalent console. Like, I was a portable Nintendo person for a really long time. Yeah. Um, so... When um, Link's Awakening came out, I was like, oh, man, I played uh, Link to the Past at my friend's house. I really want to play Link to the Past. And I got Link's Awakening. Mm -hmm. And since I was a fucking kid, I was like, ugh. 
the graphics are nowhere near as good. <laughs> yeah. This is a trash game that I can't appreciate because I'm an idiot. Right. <laughs> and and so I didn't so I didn't like Link's Awakening at the time because it wasn't because uh, it wasn't up Link to the Super past. Nintendo. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Standards. Uh, but uh, since I was a kid, it's like I don't like this game, but I'm gonna play 300 hours of it because I because I beat it like three times. <laughs> sure. But I, I always have like not amazing memories of it. Yeah. I think maybe I didn't like that theme song. Like the overworld music? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Maybe that, that's what I didn't like. Isn't that a thing with when you're a kid, you could play a game you didn't like all weekend long just because it was like, it was the one you rented for the weekend. So like, oh, yeah. what the I hell mean, else are you going to do? But I have a falling off point with RPGs, I think. Yeah. Like, it's usually by the end of the first disc. And, and then I think of the time or, oh no. Yeah. Something else comes out. I remember playing um, <laughs> Virtual Bart. For the Sega Genesis. Oh Jesus! And it was just like a, it was like a collection of like six like not that fun mini games, and that was the whole thing. But like I, I remember like playing a, a lot and feeling like this is bad, but but I still put at least twelve hours into it over the course of a Sunday and a Saturday because it was I don't know I did that all the time. Yeah, it was whatever. I mean, even games that my parents would like uh, buy for me for Christmas on NES, like. I'm going to play it every day after school because it's the game I have. <laughs> did, you I, ever have a, did you ever Game Boy? No, I got a Game Boy later. So like by the time I was playing Game Boy, it was like Game Boy Pocket. Okay. Yeah. Because Game Boy was a console where there was like a lot of trash. Yeah. But you had it with you. So as a kid, like if you, if it's a console that you have with you more than you have an NES, yep. like I feel like I spent more time, I have more memories of playing Game Boy than I do of NES. Yep. Even though like the games I played on NES were way better right. by and large. Yep. Because I have like, I, I feel like I have a lot of trash games for Game Boy, mm-hmm. uh, but I played a ton of them and right. I'd just be like actively not happy playing the game <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, I, I didn't really play much Game Boy until Pokemon. And that was the only thing, that was the one time I started like really, like I think that was when I bought a Game Boy and was like actually playing it for an extended amount of time. Yeah. Uh, and that was what, like 10 years into the Game Boy's life cycle, yeah, right? Yeah, that, that so, was late as hell. Like That's, that's an I, insane game to blow up. Uh, yeah. when you think about it like especially you go back and look at it now and you're like man this is so like it's really primitive looking and you know what i mean like yeah for, i have, I have a track to... record for getting a for getting consoles really late in their product cycle oh yeah like, i got too. an snes after chrono trigger came out which uh-huh. is like the la- one of the last games for the console pretty okay. much i didn't have snes until i was uh like in high school i mean it was like PS2 was about to come out and I just got one because I was like, oh, they're cheap now. And Yeah, and I, I think that's like kind of when I got it. Yep. I think, you know what? I, I had an N64 and I hadn't have a PlayStation 1 yet, but I really wanted to play RPGs. And N64 was kind of famous for not having RPGs whatsoever. Yeah. So I bought an SNES so I could play, um, oh God, Shadowrun or something like that. Or uh, oh, was that Square Enix one? Illusion of Gaia? Nope. Robotrek. Oh, I never played that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's 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 weird. It's really good though cuz you you don't you don't fight yourself. Like your characters don't fight. You play as like a little nerdy kid who builds robots and your robots do all the fighting. And you can like custom build their special attacks. So they don't just like learn a spell. You build a spell in a lab. And hmm. then you, you attach you you program whatever inputs you want to it depending on what, you know. It's like three parts missile and one part bullet, and that'll make like a special kind of like tiny missile attack or that something like cool. that. That sounds cool. I gotta look this up. Yeah, Robotrek. It was done by uh, Treasure. I want to. No, Treasure Enix or just Enix? It might just be Enix. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, but then going back on the playing these like games that 
you had no judgment. It was just like pick a game off of Blockbuster Wall, and then you, that's your game for the week. That like ritual led me to play these games to death. Uh, and in some cases, now I find myself like defending games that have a really bad rap, like Jaws for NES. Oh, I never played it. It has like because it's made by L- LJN, and I think that oh they they have a terrible rap. Yeah, and a lot of that I think is like um, well, it's well deserved because they're, all the games are pretty terrible. And Angry Video Game Nerd made like kind of a note of that, right? That's like his running one of his running jokes. Oh yeah, it's is like the oh, LJN. it's LJN. This has got to suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Jaws is actually pretty good. That and like Home Alone Two for the NES. Oh man. And they had a Super Nintendo version too. But uh, I played the NES one, and that one it's like it's full of a lot of very strange secrets, and there are a lot of stages that don't look anything like any other part of the game. You know. Because, you know, there's a lot of limited memory, and so, like, a lot of stages in especially platformers, which is, like, 90% of NES games, all the levels kind of look the same, you know? Like, every... Or, like, you know, level two looks all the same throughout level two, right? But in the very first stage of Home Alone 2, like, you've got this hotel, right? Uh, The Plaza Hotel. And, uh, like, you open up in, like, the lobby, and then it goes into, like, these shops, and you can actually enter each shop, and there's, like, a lot of shops that... uh, there's like a florist you oh, can I've go seen into. The, I've seen the Game Boy version of Home Alone 2. Yeah, yeah. So like you go into the shops, no, no other place in the game looks like the inside of that shop. And then you go you go up the elevators into the hotel rooms, and those look different. And then you go down the elevator all the way to the to the kitchen, and the kitchen looks totally different. And then you're kind of like out the back room into like Central Park. And like all in the first chapter of the game, you're... I don't know. It felt like an adventure game and that you're like, you really were seeing a lot of different stuff. It felt like it was full of secrets. I don't know. It's like an adventure game with uh, where you could slide on your knees, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the one thing adventure games had lacked yeah. up until that point. So, uh, Robotrek Trivia. Do you remember the... Uh, oh, God. Do you remember the slogan on the box? Because, you know, SNES carts oh. always have, like, a slogan in the corner. Yeah. Like describe a, the game. Like a movie poster. Did yeah. it have a year? Did it mention a year in it? It's like in the year 2077 or something. Are you looking at it now? Yeah, I'm looking at it. Ah, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't remember it. I, it's, it's it's something that's weird and kind of detached from the actual vibe of the game, I remember. Because I remember the cover of the game is like a space station or something. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, shit, no, I, I'm completely blanking. What is it? How about another great RPG from Enix? Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's accurate, though. Yeah, I mean, don't even really try too much, though, but... Right. I guess it speaks to the people who are going to be fans of it. Right. And then if you don't, if you don't know, you won't care. Yep. I don't, I, I recall it being a little bit lighter in tone compared to something like uh, Chrono Trigger. Hmm. I think it might have been going for a slightly younger audience. There's a lot of, I want to say Pokemon, actually, we were talking about Pokemon, actually lifted a lot from this game. If you actually play it, um, there are Pokeballs in it, which are like the treasure chests that you find throughout the game. They're straight up Pokeballs and you open them up just like a Pokeball opens up. And that's where the things are in. And the fact that you are like training these robots to fight for you, which was kind of a novel concept at the time. So you can like give them like a um, move set and stuff. Right. It's the same. And it's, it's Pokemon-esque in that way. And I want to say there's a, and just uh, kind of the vibe where it's like a little kid and he's got, he's got the Digimon fucking goggles on his head the whole game. <laughs> like, I feel like this game was paid homage, I guess, a little bit when, when the whole Pokemon Digimon thing happened. I, I, I've never seen any proof of that other than just like seeing a lot of weird coincidences. I'm starting, to think, 
I'm starting to think I might be wrong about that that quote being on all the games because I, I just pulled up like 15 game covers and none okay. of them have it. So maybe it's like a generational thing. Okay. The only other one I found that has a quote on it is Illusion of Gaia. All right. And the quote for that is... Another great RPG. Free from... Nintendo Power Explorer handbook inside. Okay, these aren't taglines at all. <laughs> I was are, like... It's not what a tagline is. Certainly uh, Hyperzone has one, but nope. Chrono Trigger doesn't have one. Uh, F-Zero, let's see if that has one. The Race of the 26th Century. Okay. That's the first one I think is a real tagline. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Maybe uh, it is I'll... a maybe it is a launch thing. Yeah. What are some other launch Was games? that a launch game? Oh, yeah. Wait, I don't, I don't no, know. it wasn't. Um, okay. I don't know. Okay. It was a launch game on Game Boy Advance. I see. Because I remember... Uh, the only game I, the only console I ever successfully purchased at launch was Game Boy Advance, mm-hmm. and uh, I showed up at Target when doors opened at Target. Yeah, and went straight back to the electronics counter. Mm-hmm. And I was the only fucking person there. Nice. Yeah, and they were like, "What? What's out today?" I was like, "You need to check because this console is out now, and people want it." It's <laughs> <laughs> super hyped for it. I was like that for the thirty two X. I was yeah. so I was so amped to death to get one, and it was like my number one thing I wanted for Christmas because we had a Genesis grow. I didn't have, like I said, I didn't have Super Nintendo until yeah. I was like older. Sega kids, yeah, weirdos. And uh, I was just like totally sold on the concept for whatever reason. I was like, I just wanted a new thing. I think, and uh, I got it and uh, played Star Wars on it and Knuckles Chaotix and M- Motocross, and it had a version of oh yeah, it had a version of a uh, Virtual Racer that was really good. So, yeah, thirty two X was like my Sega needs to have more going on. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have <laughs> enough. It doesn't have enough random shit attached to it. Yeah, <laughs> that was the whole Sega thing back then, right? I sent you a I sent you a photo of when I was playing Sega CD a couple uh, weeks ago, right? No, what it was the it? night after we were we were hanging out and talking about Night Trap and watching Sewer Sharks. Yeah, yeah, I played Night Trap. Okay, good. Yeah, how'd you do? Um, not good. <laughs> the game, um, the copy that I was playing was all in Japanese. Mm-hmm. So uh, the part where they change codes, where you okay. know, where the the shtick of the game is like, you can only so sort of control it, and all, then they're yeah. all overdubbed in Japanese. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, and then they still have the like, I think there's been an infiltration. Let's change to code blue. Right, that's in Japanese as well. So it's an extra step. That's that mechanic is already the bullshit, game, yeah. impossible to figure out and find. And anyway, yeah. and now it's in another language. So it's an extra layer of bullshit. It wasn't hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> but some I, w- I was hanging out with someone who play who speaks fluent Japanese, okay. and, and I know some Japanese too. Like I kind of I get my colors mixed up, but okay. um, I could kind of read uh, hiragana and katakana. Okay. So I can see, like, if you cycle through the codes, I'd be able to figure it out because yeah. I hear what they say. Right. But then the that mechanic is even harder because they say, let's go change to code blue. You have to wait for the characters in shot mm-hmm. to leave and then go to that thing that changes the color. Because as soon as they say, let's change to code blue, you're like, Shit, I'm on code blue. Right. And then your com- your controls don't work. I see. So they haven't actually changed to code blue quite yet. Yeah, it's like, let's and change their- to code blue in 25 <laughs> seconds. So on their way to change to code blue, which I don't know how many people we've lost right now trying to <laughs> know what we're talking about. <laughs> they like get attacked by a, one of the weird auger guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I fucking remember the name of them. Oh, yeah. Augers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, Those poor augers. Yeah. Well, speaking of horror, awesome horror games, 
I've been playing Resident Evil 7 in VR mode on a PlayStation Pro, and I highly recommend this to anybody who has wants to play the game. Yeah. Like, so how is that experience? So, so here's the thing: I didn't. I was. I was completely avoiding spoilers or watching videos or watching streams or anything, right? Because um, I wanted to be surprised. I didn't want to know what was coming because I knew that would kind of ruin the whole point of me being terrified in a fucking like nightmare world. Uh, so uh, I just over the. Uh, I just, I, I can't get over it. It was like an incredible experience. And it's like, if you have the option, if you have PSVR, um, which I know a lot, a lot of people have, but if you do have it and you're like, ah, I don't know, it might be a little too crazy. Like do it, just do it. Like just get over it and do it. I know it's scared. Uh, I know you're scared. I know it's scary. Like just do it. I promise like it will be crazier than like the scariest scary movie you've ever seen. Like it really like works. It's, and I've done some VR stuff before. And I, there's a lot of stuff that really works with VR right now and a lot of stuff that really doesn't. Uh, it's really cool to see a game that's kind of a full, fleshed out, complete $60 package, you know, uh, that works in VR and seems to have had VR in mind. It's not like a tacked-on feature, you know. Um, so it's not, it's not like the game isn't you're hanging out in an elevator throwing batarangs at <laughs> just doing target practice. Right, exactly. And... Uh, and everything everyone's been saying about it, like how it feels like Resident Evil 1 again, it feels more like an adventure kind of a thing again. It 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 achieves something that like my favorite games ever achieve, and it's very rare. Uh, it's what Dark Souls did really well for me too, actually, was like it makes me want to explore. Like every, every tiny facet, every nook and cranny of this creepy Louisiana mansion that I'm trapped in, like I want to just get up in it and look at every little detail. Hmm. And... Um, uh, it's, it's really, really, it just works. And man, it's bad in the VR. <laughs> I would literally <laughs> like, I, at the start of the game, before even getting into the house, it was like the doorway into the house and they do an amazing, there's an amazing mechanic that they did. When you go to open a door, you can walk up to it and then hit the hit X to open the door. Right. And it'll only open a crack. If you want to actually open the door all the way, you have to be close to it. Okay. So you can't like go open a door and then back up and then like see in the room. If you want to see in the room, you have to get your face right up in the crack of the doorway. Really? It's terrifying because you do not <laughs> want to be there. You're like, God, there's nothing on the other side of this fucking door. Ah, I, I, I should pick it up. I should pick, I, I've been wanting to pick up a PSVR. Yeah. Like I hear it's one of, the, one of the more comfortable VR headsets. That was another thing. So like when you're wearing a Vive, it straps to your face and like it hangs on the bridge of your nose. Um, the PSVR is like just a hat. It's a ring that goes and it rests on your head. And then it just, it's the, the, you know, the goggles are just kind of hanging in front of your face. So I wonder how that, really I wonder how well it works with the glasses. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I, I wasn't wearing glasses at the time. Um, cause that's, that's also like a kind of thing for me. Like I, I just got contact lenses, so yeah. I, I guess I could, sure. I, I really don't want to put on contact lenses just to play video games, but, uh, right. I, I'd imagine they've thought of that. Uh, just, I mean, there's gotta be a, a huge player base with glasses, you know, glasses yeah, right? wearers. Like, I think the what nerd the wears glasses. The, <laughs> I think the people developing these headsets are all wearing glasses. Like, so, um, I guess just, I guess if you do let me know how, how it is, but yeah. Um, I, but, Oh, what I was saying about like the very start of the game, I go to open the door and I managed to open it and it's like pitch black. They make sure that you can't like really see in the house until you're, you have to commit to walking through the door. And it took me like, and I I thought I'd be way braver than this, 
But like I was standing in the doorway for a literal five minutes working up the nerve to just walk into the house and like just start the game. Nothing scary had even happened yet. But it was like it was it was uh, I don't know that whole it's a great setting. And I think for like a horror thing and they don't I don't feel like they're cheap with jump scares. They're in there. But, you know, I feel like there's a lot of stuff where they let you just kind of stew in your fear. Yeah. You know, like they know that they've got you in a scary situation and you're going to have your head on a swivel the whole time and you're going to be looking over your shoulder. You're going to be like creeping around and, and they know that they don't have to fill every corner with some ridiculous thing that to make you jump. Right. Have you played it just the once? Um. I, I played it, yeah, just like it was like one day that I played for like two hours. I played, okay. it, I played it for like an hour, took a break, another hour. I didn't get any motion sickness or anything like that either. Huh, they, have, okay. they, have a, they have a great mechanic where uh, you can crouch, uh, but when you do crouch, it kind of instantly just jumps to that. It doesn't animate you like moving up or down. Yeah, that that, that would uh, that would uh, put me over, I think. Mm-hmm. And you can like uh, uh, situate the which way your character's facing with like a right stick and it will rotate. And kind of jump in 30, 30 degree like clicks, little increments of thirty degree turns, uh, to situate yourself. And it seemed pretty natural. It didn't take long to get uh, used to it. Hmm. Um, you don't run very fast, and but then and it always feels like the the bad guys, I guess you call them, are like right hot on your heels. But they also <laughs> don't really run fast. But it's like it creates a very tense situation. It's all right? heightened because it's in three D. Yeah. Yeah, like you're not, you can kind of feel, especially if you had, I was able to play at a friend's house who had a great sound system and, you know, like 5.1 whole gimmick. And Oh, do you not wear uh, headphones for? I didn't at the time because he had like, he had like these subwoofers. He had this great sound system. Oh, well, I guess room, in, so. in that case, you might as well uh, have it hooked up like that. Right. So I didn't use headphones at that time, but um, I mean, it really was, uh, it really was great. Like I, I can't stop thinking about it like i really want to go back and and like the story and stuff and the way they're the way it's all laid out like it, it's good yeah i was really impressed oh, especially I, considering what a like yeah. clusterfuck the whole franchise had been for so long now you know for them to like do something different it's kind of ballsy on on their part i think it's good yeah it seems like that resident evil series like they're they seem like the times where they reinvent themselves yep um work out really well because like resident evil four yep seven now yep uh this is this is not Resident Evil, but have you ever played the game Breakdown for original Xbox? No, because when you were talking about motion, uh, like having motion animation, yeah, that was that made me think of this because this was a game that came out for original Xbox, so like two thousand two, maybe. Mm. Um, it was a an entirely first person action game, okay. and its uh its mo was that it never breaks from first person point of view uh so like menus and stuff like giving like loading yeah, screens like and loading screen yeah. uh so i guess loading screens but like picking up things on the ground yep. going over obstacles everything is always from this like really cinematic first person view yeah yeah uh and the trailer of that is great and uh we should put the trailer of that in the in the, the show notes in the show notes okay. because the the big like stinger at the end of the trailer is like watching your character or like you're experiencing having uh having a, getting a coke from a vending machine and then like pounding it whoa yeah so it's like it's like you're there drinking coca-cola brand cola <laughs> but uh that game was um that game was really good i basically got to the end of it and then the super final fight was too intense that was like 
they, I guess they hadn't really figured out how to do first person without like making you totally fucking sick because okay. the, the last part of the game where there's this really intense fight mm-hmm. and it's all first person combat. So like you get knocked over and you're yep. like falling over and you're flipping around and oh, stuff. I see. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you're surrounded by people. So like, it was like really claustrophobic and yeah, it was a, that was a fun time. And then I stopped. I was like, I don't smoke and I need a cigarette. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, um, Oh God, what was going to say? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is, I mean, there was uh, something on, on for the Vive that I saw recently. That was um, uh, it's like the Vive tracker. Have you seen this? Thing? No. It's like an accessory they're trying to they're trying to. Which I feel like the Vive whole the whole Vive thing. Like the, I think what they need to be working on is trying to make this more accessible financially for people to have a Vive set up. But instead of coming up with more accessories for us to buy, you know, it's already like a huge investment, eight hundred dollars plus yeah. whatever computer you need. But the thing does look kind of cool. Uh, what it's, it's, uh, it's something that you place to have, uh, like an actual real world object be tracked by the Vive. Huh? Uh, so, and, and, and then one of the big features they have of it on is if you have a DSLR camera, you can attach it to your camera and it'll shoot you and create videos of you in the environment. So it doesn't automatic, like, uh, uh, you know, in, in game camera tracking, Right, what? so like, so like, it creates a virtual camera in the game, uh, to match your actual real life camera that's shooting you in real life. So is it like a three D scanner? No, no, no. The th- the thing is, it's just I think it's just like an object that the Vive knows where in space it is, right? Huh. So the idea with attaching it to your camera is it basically tells you there's a real camera shooting this person here, and it's facing whatever direction, right? And it just tells the Vive to create an in-world, in-game camera to match the real-world camera so that uh, it can create a video that's automatically uh, has you composed into the game world. Do you know what I'm saying? Interesting. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, there was, uh, when I worked at Hasbro, they would create, they have a huge, like, setup for, like, shooting uh, commercials of, like, live actors on a green screen, a huge green screen room, Uh, but then they want to use virtual cameras so that you could... uh, uh, move a real camera to shoot someone, but then the data of the camera moving in real space was sent uh, to the fake, you know, 3D environment, so that the, the so that the the in engine camera would move the same way that you shot your real camera, so that the movement of the fake camera matches the movement of the real camera, so that the the, the live action person, you know what I mean? That's Auto- kind of cool. Automatically looks. So they're coming up with like a home version of this. You know, when they first had, uh, had the Vive videos go out to show people the Vive, they're like, what's the best way we can show this concept to people? And they made these videos in front of a big green screen and the whole thing where it was, we'll take people and then the world that they're in, in their head, in their headset, let's just project it on the green screen behind them and then put that in real time on a monitor for like their friends and family or whatever who they got there to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you know that talking video. About. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, this is a way you can do that at home with your own DSLR is create a camera and the output to a monitor, and so that the people don't just see your point of view, they see the game world from a third-person camera with you projected into the game. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, that might be cool. I don't know if they said anything about price. I think they've just, like, kind of yeah, sent I think it's it. just for developers right now. Right. They've sent out, like, a thousand to some devs or something like that. So we'll see. So oh, that was cool. Earlier, when I was looking up uh, Super Nintendo covers that had uh, slogans on them, mm-hmm. not finding a lot, okay. but <laughs> Act Razor 2, we have... Uh, 
100% pure action and excitement. Wow. These are bad. Uh, Contra 3. Lightning quick and fully loaded with highly advanced features designed to blow the mind in nonstop combat, pumped with phenomenal graphic effects. Wow. Long. Yeah, they, uh, wordy. couldn't, uh, really figure out how to, like, well, I guess they didn't, they weren't paid by the word. We're like, shit, we got tons of room here. Yeah, they need to have just a starburst shape, and on it says, fun game. <laughs> uh, it's not quite as effective, I think, as 100% pure action and excitement. Um, <laughs> Go on. Yeah, There's more but, of that, isn't there? Well, you're not going to leave me hanging with 100% action and excitement. Wasn't there, like, a whole paragraph? That was it? Oh, Fractraiser. No, I'm yeah. talking about Contra. No, Contra was... I already forgot. That's the, that's how bad it was. Yeah, that's that's the problem, because I could remember 100% pure action excitement. It's like, you know, you're a kid. What mm-hmm. do you want for your birthday? Give me a game that is 100% action and excitement. Yeah, mom. Quit throwing this 85% action and excitement bullshit. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it, it, it sounds like it. you would kind of be going in like, I'm looking for a game that has lightning quick... And fully loaded with highly advanced features designed to blow the mind. <laughs> this is like you at the counter. Yeah. At Sears. I'm looking for something that has maybe nonstop combat pumped with phenomenal graphic effects. Can you have anything? <laughs> Do you offer anything along those lines? How uh, are the graphical effects inserted into this game? Oh, they're via, nonstop. Via pump or what do you got? Uh, well, they're fully loaded. <laughs> what kind of speed are we looking at with these effects? A hundred percent. Lightning quick. <laughs> uh, Super Mario bucks. Do what? Check Mario is missing. I want to say Mario is missing has a tagline. Mario is missing. They accidentally bought you this one. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, a geography learning adventure that's way cool. <laughs> Look how sad Luigi looks. I know. Well, he's looking for his. Oh, just turn around, you goof. You know, it's funny they, they that Luigi has become like his thing is he's a coward and he's a weirdo. Yeah, right. But like I remember watching this, and I go back too because it's all on YouTube now. It's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show with Lou Albano and sometimes Cindy Lauper. Uh huh. And uh, it's the opposite. Like on the at least I think in the live, I forget if it's in the cartoon or also in the live action because it was kind of two shows in one. I want to say they even got different guys to do the voices for Mario and Luigi in the cartoon. I think there's different. Yeah, it's like, like it's Captain Lou Albano, Lou, right? Yeah, Captain Lou is in live action Mario, but like in the cartoon, didn't they get somebody else to do his voice? I might uh, remember that wrong. Anyway, it's that easy we, enough to find out. Sure. So like in those in that TV show, like Luigi is the one who always wants to like go on adventures, and Mario is always the one who's just like exhausted and doesn't want to be bothered. And I thought that I don't know. I'm going back and watching that, it was always like, "Come on, Mario, we gotta fix this problem." And Mario's like, like uh. <laughs> "He's like, I don't know about this." Like he was always the apprehensive one. So starring Lou Albano, yeah. Danny Wells. Yeah, both both passed from this uh, earthly realm. Yeah, rip. Yeah. Um, voices of Lou Albano. Oh, great. Danny Wells. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, I'm and glad then I uh, Cindy Preston. Um, you don't need to talk about the Millie Vanilli one, right? Because who can? Yeah. I don't remember that one at all. The Millie Vanilli uh, episode of Super Mario Super Show? I believe it existed. It was just, just the most 1989 thing ever. Go, so, yeah. So, so they um, do? I think Wendy Koopa and Peach both wanted to see... Uh, so Peach had tickets this is to see Millie... This cartoon? Yeah. Peach had, vi- uh, Peach had tickets to see Millie Vanilli. Mi- and they refer to the, they refer to Millie Vanilli as a thing in the Mushroom Kingdom in Hell the cartoon yeah. part of this. They're like, yo... 
it's Millie Vanilli. Uh, <laughs> I had and, no idea they yeah, ever did anything like that. And then that. Wendy Koopa it says, "Well, I didn't get tickets, but I want to see when uh, I want to see Millie Vanilli." <laughs> so they kidnap Millie Vanilli, and that's the impetus for uh, Super Mario to save them because, like, shit, we gotta they gotta put on this concert. Right. We gotta restore order to the natural universe. By that's putting... blowing my mind. I had no idea that they were. I knew that they had like the celebrities and all that on like the live action interstitial parts, right? I I thought the cartoons were like just straight up just Mario shit. I had no idea that the eighties ass celebrities got to do that stuff too. Yeah, let's take a quick break to watch part of Super Mario Cartoon Millie Vanilli episode. Okay, all right. So we're back. Wow. We watched part of the Super Mario cartoon, the Millie Vanilli episode. See, I don't remember anything from the cartoon part of that show, even remotely looking like it took place in the real world, like with like human looking people and like a concert hall. It's, never mind the fact that Millie Vanilli is there. I think they and said Peach they were in is New wearing York. a Millie Vanilli t-shirt or like yeah. a sweater. That's really bizarre. I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing that happened all the time and I just don't remember it right. I, I honestly, aside from Millie Vanilli, don't remember the... F- a single thing about that show. <laughs> I hope that's the only time that they did that. I hope every other episode is just like Koopas and it's like REM is going to be playing. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember an episode where Roddy Piper shows up in the live action part, not in the cartoon, um, to get his like his his bagpipe repaired. Really? He wants his bagpipes repaired, and he shows up and he's like in like he's in character harder than he's ever been in character before. Just like as a crazy guy, bad guy wrestler, and. uh they accidentally like it's like Luigi accidentally turns his bagpipes into a vacuum cleaner, and then like he comes back and they're like, "Oh no, the big scary wrestler guy is gonna kick our ass because we we ruined his bagpipes." It's weird, but they're and Roddy Piper's like way overacting. It's it's uh it's pretty phenomenal. Phenomenal. I want to say it was called Rotten Roddy's. No, Rotten Pipe, Rotten Roddy's pipes or something like that. I forget. Rotten Roddy's Super Mario, uh, Rowdy Roddy's Rotten Pipes. There you go. Pretty damn close. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. good, good. Pretty impressed. Good. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. All right. I think that's a good place we could wrap it up. Yeah, that's a, that's an episode, right? So yeah. th- how much, um, so we've been recording for two hours. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, sure it's we, actually we, been one hour, but, uh. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say like an hour is good. Yeah. Especially the stuff we cut out. We do like a little outro, though. Oh, yeah. So um, we didn't talk about uh, what we want to do with the show, but that's fine because neither of us fucking know. <laughs> yeah, we're just kind of winging it, aren't we? Yeah. But that's fine. And, and it's it's kind of the whole point of this and why we're doing these anyway. Um, but like, yeah, we want to do this kind of where we can talk about the stuff we're working on and uh, we want to like make it a little more interactive. We talked about maybe doing this live uh, over Twitch. Uh, we kind of want to be able to take calls from people live on the show, and we might be doing that through... We're looking into it. We might be doing this through Discord, uh, so we'll have our own Discord channel, and then you guys just do uh, you know, a DM and uh, uh, turn on the voice chat, and we'll have you guys uh, talk to us on the show via Discord. So uh, until then, uh, you can get a hold of us at hauntedheavy at gmail.com. Any questions about uh, anything you guys want to talk about, anything you guys want to hear about... Um, uh, anything related to our game. Uh, so we are also have, uh, we talked about street fighter. If you're interested in fighting games and you're in the Seattle area, uh, Northwest majors is coming up. Um, I want to say it is August the first, I want to say it's the 
second weekend in August. Um, but registration just went up is the point of my story. Uh, I will be running the High Roller Mystery Tournament. I think this will be the fourth time we've done this. Um, there's a 32-player cap on it. Uh, it is High Rollers, so it's $50 entry. Uh, first place takes 100% of the pot. Um, but registration is open for that, so if you are interested in that kind of thing, we are doing that, and we will be there. Uh, are these this year's dates or last year's those dates? Are, those, are, those are not even for Northwest Majors. That's for the Red Bull Proving Grounds oh. thing. They're bad about <laughs> updating the website. I'll give them that much. Uh, here we go. April 7th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. August 7th, 8th, and 9th? April. April? It's in April? Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, wow, that's uh, April April 7th, 8th, and 9th is a convenient time for me. Because <laughs> I ain't doing nothing. Well, yeah, so that's 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 going on at Highline Community College in Des Moines, Washington. Uh, so definitely come out to that. We'll be running a mystery tournament there. Um, uh, where can we find you on the internet? Oh, uh, let's see. I'm on Twitter at, at Zafo999, Z-A-F-O-999. Uh, we also have a Haunted Heavy Twitter. You can send stuff there through if you want, uh, at Haunted Heavy. Uh, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Sheroff, C-H-E-R-O-F. And, uh, hey, here's the thing we, we, we forgot to talk about. We need to have a, like, you know, they do a funny little sign off, like a little phrase that people always do on a, oh, on a podcast, you know? Um, and I got one and, but you're going to be the guy to read it off here. So I'm just going to, I wrote it down. I'm just going to slide it over to you and this will be like a funny sign off, our, our cute little sign off thing. Go ahead and read it to me in your best radio voice. Written like it's. It's really what you have written here? Yeah. It's not the one that I think it should be? No, it's that one. I changed it to make it better. <laughs> Welcome to the Fancy Zone. There we go. There's a podcast. <laughs> that, that sure is a podcast. <laughs>